Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. This one's entitled Shifting Culture. So we have three children, and the middle of which is our, our, our middle daughter. And quite a few years ago now, she, she's, she's 10 now, and I think it was back around three or four years old, I remember an incident where she had done something, and I don't remember the particulars of the incident, I don't remember the, the details of it, what exactly she had done, but I remember specifically me taking her aside and pointing out just how kind it was that she had done that. She did something for someone else, I forget what it was, but I remember pulling her aside and just saying, hey, look, what you did there, that was so kind of you to do that. And I remember from that point forward, for the next couple months, I mean, she was all about kindness. I mean, she was constantly looking to do things that were kind, and not just looking, but afterwards, she would come to me and she would, she would ask me every single time, Daddy, was that, was that kind? Was that kind, Daddy? And almost to the point of exhaustion. I mean, I love the fact that, that she, she wanted to be kind. I love the fact that she wanted to do things out of kindness. Um, but it was getting exhausting uh, just having her come and ask me about every little thing she would do. Daddy, was that kind? Um, but you know what? In the midst of, of, of my exhaustion and, and, and even a little bit of frustration, she actually taught me something that's, that's foundational and I, I believe key for leaders that I want to I address in this, in this podcast today. And that's this, that we've all been hardwired to be and have our actions validated from time to time. Every single one of us as human beings is, is hardwired. We, we have that desire, just as my middle daughter did. She wanted to be recognized, wanted to be validated. And when she was, she, she went out and looked for, for ways to continue doing that. Why? So that she could have her actions and herself, her well-being validated once again, over and over again. And for us as leaders, knowing that this, this idea, this this quality is hardwired into humanity, we can actually really use this to leverage our leadership if we think about it. See, I believe one of the jobs for us as leaders, no, no matter the context of, of your leadership today, business, church, whatever the case may be, I believe one of our jobs as leaders is to define the preferred culture in our context of leadership. The problem is Many times, leaders can tend to lean more towards managing and, and, and maintaining than they do actually leading. And, and for us as, as leaders, if you're a church leader today, what, what happens is we end up managing and maintaining in our churches, in our ministries, more than we do leading the people around us. This is one of the reasons... Um, why only a third, and, and if you were at our Eastern Ontario and Nunavut District Conference back in May, you, you heard the stats that were put on a, on, on a screen for you, um, but this is not just, uh, this is not just uh, found in, in Ontario, in Ontario PAOC churches. Actually, if you took each district across our nation, this, this could be found, and uh, maybe not specifically uh, detailed down to a third for each, but pretty close. The numbers are pretty close across the board, across our nation for Pentecostal churches. And that's this, that only a third of our churches are growing here in Eastern Ontario. I don't know what that does for you, but, but that actually saddens 
my heart that that if we really serve the God of this of this world, the God of creation, that I believe that that's just not good enough, and something needs to be done about that. One of the things I I hear in in youth pastors because that's my context in dealing and pastoring youth pastors. One of the things I hear from them a lot of the time when when I call them or sit with them face to face is I, I just wish my leaders were more. Dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. I just wish my leaders were more committed. I, I wish my, my leaders were more servant-minded. I, I just wish my leaders were more passionate, etc., etc. The list goes on and on. The only thing about that is the desire alone has never changed a thing. And although their, their desire is good, there's nothing wrong with wanting their leaders to be more this or more that, but... but Oftentimes it stops there, and they don't do a whole lot more with it other than just desiring for that to be. And we all know, I think we'd all agree, listening, your leaders there, your, your, uh, your more than capable leaders that are listening to this podcast, your, your competent leaders, I think we'd all agree as leaders today that desire alone has never changed a thing. So if we're all hardwired to some extent, to some degree, to be recognized or validated, then how can we use this as leaders to help shift the culture of our context where we find ourselves leading today. Here's the bottom line of what I want you to get more than anything else if if you would get this. Whatever gets validated will get duplicated and whatever gets duplicated will become the culture of that particular group of people. Let me say it again. Whatever gets validated will get duplicated and whatever gets duplicated will become the culture of that group of people. Now, I used this in, in, in ministry context in my last ministry um, and, and, and would talk about this extensively over and over and over again because I believe it to be so true. And, and where I learned this was with my own kids, just like I opened up this podcast and talking about my middle daughter. Uh, I still use that example to this day. I still try and live that out with my own kids. I'll talk to them. You know, we're, we're giving them house chores, more chores, more responsibilities. The older they get, the more mature they get, we give them more and more to do around the house because they're not just um, takers. They're, they're not just freeloaders. We want them, this is a home, and we work together as a team to make this home happen. And so they have more responsibilities now. We just handed out some more just a, a couple months ago, and we upped their allowance a little bit because there's more responsibility. And, and so I'll, I'll say, hey, great job on cleaning the bathroom, or, or thanks for helping fold the laundry, or, uh, various tasks around the home like that. And it's interesting to me to watch the reaction and how they, don't, they maybe don't say a whole lot in, in the moment. They'll kind of react, oh, hey, thank, you're welcome, or, or whatever. They won't give you a whole lot of response, but, but I watch as they go and they look for ways to do it again. And that's exactly what happens with all of us. When we are recognized, when we get celebrated, when we get validated, something we do, something we say, our actions, what are we going to do? We're going to go and look for ways to do it again. And you as the leader of your group of people, whoever that might be, if you're leading in a business, maybe you have a staff or you're leading in a church and and you've got volunteers or, or whatever the case may be, you as a leader need to leverage this truth to shift, to help you shift the culture in your context. This is exactly why you've been called to lead. It's why you're the leader. And as the leader, you first must decide what do you value? What do you want the culture to be? You've got to define that. You may want to bring your, your team of volunteers or your staff into that, into that process of, of helping you define 
what you value and what you want the preferred culture to be. And then you've got to decide what do you want the people around you to value? What do you want them to, to desire as, as the preferred culture? And, and you've also, you've really got to make sure, and this is the difficult part, you've really got to make sure that these values align with the vision of your organization, of your ministry, of your church, of your business. Do these values line up with the vision? Because if they don't, then you've got a misalignment here and you're, you're going to get frustrated and, and, and feel like you're banging your head against the wall. The, the values always have to line up with the vision. And once you determine what these are, you, you've taken a... Uh, a bit of time, maybe a couple months or whatever, you've brought your, your leadership team into the process of helping you define what the preferred culture is, what you value. Once you determine what it is, now you've, you've got the, the, the difficult task of taking it through the six steps of shifting culture in your area. And so I want to take you through those six steps for the next few moments. And uh, we're going to go through, I think we can get this through this very quickly. Um, but I'm just going to give you a real brief synopsis. I'm not going to spend hours and hours on each point, on each. But but I believe if you if you will will actually take your your leadership teams and your people, your groups of people that you're leading, if you'll take them through this these six steps with with each of the values that you have set out, I believe it will help you shift the culture with the group of people that you you have been called to lead. And so for for our purposes today, I'm gonna I'm gonna take one. I'm gonna take a value that I've used in the past and still use to this day. It's something that I value. It's one of the core values I lead with. And I'm going to use it as an example to put into each of these six steps so that you'll have some, some tangible, practical ideas of, of how this can, this can look. So let's use, let's use the value of excellence for our purposes today, all right? Now, you could fill in the blank. Maybe it's servanthood. Maybe it's excellence. Maybe it's uh, whatever. Maybe it's commitment. Maybe it's passion. Maybe uh, whatever. Whatever the case may be for you, you fill in the blank. But for our purposes, I'm going to use the value of excellence and show you how if you take it through these six steps, you, you can make excellence a part of your, your existing culture, your preferred culture of your group of people. So the first step in, in shifting the culture is you've got to name it, which we just did. We, we named it excellence, okay? So that's the value we're going after. So that's the easiest one, right? After you've defined what these values are. The first thing is you've got to name it. Name the value that you want to go after. We value excellence. We value servanthood. We value whatever it, customer service. We value whatever the case may be. You've got to name it first. You can't do anything with it until you name it. Second one. This is the fun one for me anyways, maybe not so much for you. This might be more of a tedious task, but I love coming up with one-liners and taglines and catchy little phrases. And so the second one is you've got to brand it. You've got to brand it. And for your purposes, that might look different in your context of, of where you're doing this. Maybe it's with a leadership team. Maybe it's in a small business. So, so you want to brand it. Maybe you want to put a bit of a logo to it or, or whatever. But this is where you give it a catchy tagline, a phrase that helps identify what exactly this value is. So again, let's bring it back to excellence. If excellence was our value that, that we're naming, we want the excellence to be a part of our preferred culture in, in our ministry. Then, then our tagline that I've used in the past and still use to this day is we sweat the small stuff, which goes against the grain. Because what do you hear in culture today? What do you hear uh, everywhere you go? Don't sweat the small stuff. Everyone says, don't sweat the small stuff. Not a big deal. Well, if you want excellence to be a part of your culture, then I believe you do have to sweat the small stuff. Everything matters. 
The way you do everything matters. It's got, there's got to be attention to detail and, and sweating the small stuff. And still, I still use that tagline to this day. We've branded the whole value of excellence in that one line. We sweat the small stuff. We will be an organization. We will be a business. We will be a ministry. We will be a church that sweats the small stuff because everything matters. Third step, after you've named it, after you've branded it, third step is you've got to wear it. This is for you personally as the leader. You must model it yourself as the leader, or this is, this is going to hold no weight in your, in your church, in your ministry, in your organization, in your business. It will hold absolutely no weight and go nowhere if you do not wear it and model it as the leader yourself. I had I had no problem as a youth pastor. I can remember setting up chairs week after week in, in our ministry center where we met weekly. And I can remember doing it with, with excellence. I can remember putting it at specific angles. And sometimes students or, or other leaders would walk in and kind of chuckle and be like, wow, you're really particular about this. And I'd be like, yes, it, it, it must be done excellently. With excellence, with absolute excellence, attention to detail. We sweat the small stuff, even the angle of the chairs we're on. And, and some may not think that's a huge deal, but, but I wanted this to be laced throughout, throughout our ministry everywhere. And I wanted to model it. I had to wear it myself, and so it mattered. Uh, I can remember we'd have student interns or, or helpers come in, and, and I remember I always did a takeaway to every message I, I, I spoke on on. on on our, our weekly ministry nights, and, and I would always do a little takeaway, and sometimes that meant, you know, making these takeaways out, out of nothing, or branding it on a, a little uh, takeaway card, a business-style card, and I can remember specifically uh, asking students or leaders to come in and cut these cards, because we'd have to do like a hundred or, or, or more cards at times, and, and I remember cutting them and making sure I, I'd go through it. I want these cut on the lines. I don't want that black line to show around the outline, out, those cutting lines, and they need to be cut off, and, and again, people might think that's OCD or, or, or whatever, but I don't phrase it as that. I, I don't believe I'm OCD. Maybe my wife would give you a, a, a different picture uh, that I am, but I always believed it was excellence, trying to do everything with excellence, that we sweat even the small stuff. And I wanted the people around me to see that I wore this. I wore this on my sleeve. I modeled this to the best of my ability. Fourth step is you've got to teach it. You don't just wear it yourself, then you've got to teach it, you've got to explain it, you've got to practically show what it looks like, and I gave you some demonstrations, some examples of that just in the last one in wearing it, but you've got to talk about what it is, and I remember talking with our leadership team and saying, excellence, guys, excellence is, is not perfection, I'm not expecting any single one of you to be perfect, you're going to make mistakes, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about excellence, but excellence is this, it's doing the best with what you have. We may not always have the best of the best, but God is calling us to do the best with what we've been given. So you, you maybe don't always have as much money as the next business or next organization or next church down the road. That's not what excellence is about. It's not about having the best lights or, or, the, or the best cameras or, or, or the best gear. It's about doing your absolute best that you can do with what you have. That, that I could look at any one of our leaders after they've been given a task or a job to do, and I, and I could ask them at the end of it, hey, was that your best? And I teach this to my own kids. I, I'm not expecting you all to get straight A's, all three of my kids, because they're all wired differently and have different giftings and talents and strengths. But I want to know, what I want to know is, was that your best? That's what excellence is all about. 
Can you look at me straight in the eye and say, Dad, I, I did my best on that test. I did my absolute best. Not perfection, but your best. That's what excellence is. Number five, I call this one weave it. You've got to weave it into every part, every area of your organization at every level. So if your value is excellence, if that's what you want to be a part of your preferred culture, then weave it, figure out ways to weave it into every part at every level of your organization, your ministry, your business, whatever the case may be. I remember training our, our greeters in our, in our youth ministry how to greet with excellence, how to do it excellently, the best way possible. I can remember uh, t- taking our worship leaders, our, our, our band leaders aside and, and talking to them about doing it with excellence and what that looks like. I, I remember chairs, you know, I used that example already, showing people how to set up chairs and how we wanted it done. And at every level, from chairs to cares, and what I mean by cares is, is our follow-up team. It didn't matter if it was setting up chairs. It didn't matter if it was following up with people, which is what really matters, right? It's about people. Ministry is about people and how they follow up with excellence and to do that with excellence. But whatever the case, from chairs to cares, we wanted to weave excellence into every area at every level of our ministry. And then finally, sixth, the last one is probably the most important because it goes back to our bottom line of, of, of validating and celebrating. It's just that. It's called celebrate it. You've got to celebrate it. Reward it. Recognize it. Not just privately, but publicly. And don't be afraid. Many leaders, this is where leaders shy away because they're, they're so fearful of, of being labeled, of having their favorites or whatever. Just forget about that altogether, Okay. Because it's not always fair, right? Life is not always fair. You need to, if you really want this to get duplicated, to get, so, so take excellence again as our example. If, if I really wanted to have excellence duplicated over and over again throughout our, our ministry, through, throughout our, our youth ministry, then I had to just lay down my fear of being labeled as having my favorites. And I had to look for ways to recognize and celebrate it publicly when I saw it happen with, with one of our leaders. And so I would start our, our leadership meetings. I began starting our leadership meetings with, with recognizing and, and celebrating something publicly that somebody had done, one of our leaders had done. Hey, that was really, that was really done with absolute excellence. What you did, that, that event you pulled off, right down to the favors that were placed on the table. Like These are the types of things that I would say to our leaders um, to recognize them publicly for, for their efforts. And once you begin to do that, what are, the, what are those leaders going to do? Just like my kids. They're going to look for ways to do it again. And, and, and what happens is, is when whatever we, whatever we validate gets duplicated. Whatever gets duplicated becomes the culture of that group of people. So name it, brand it, wear it, teach it, weave it, and celebrate it. Six steps to shifting the culture in your context of leadership. Now I'm telling you, this works. Okay, I'm living proof. I can give you examples. This works. We had eight values we we valued, we went after uh, as our culture of our leadership team in my last place of ministry. And all eight of them had a tagline. All eight of them, we we branded, we we wore, we, we taught, we weaved it in, and we celebrated it. And it's when you begin doing this, you'll begin shifting the culture in your context. As a leader, you're not there to maintain you have been called to lead. And leaders need to begin shifting culture again. 
We, we need leaders that will not be afraid to shift the culture with the group of people that they've been called to lead. This is how things change. This is how we go from just maintaining to actually leading. This is where we go from, from, from churches that are stagnant or plateaued or, or, or in decline, and we turn them around and actually see uh, churches that grow again. Because my heart, my desire is, is to see our district flourish, to see the churches in our district, whether rural or, or urban or wherever they find themselves, um, that they would all grow. I, I believe actually that God wants them to grow. And leading is all about shifting the existing culture. You maybe just showed up in your leadership context. Maybe you're new, a year, two years or less, and and you showed up and and you inherited an existing culture. Well, then this is for you because I I believe God is calling you to to actually change the culture, to shift the culture to the preferred one that, that he downloads into your heart. If you're a business leader out there and maybe you're thinking, wow, this is, this is really churchy this time. I hear a lot about God and church. And that's okay. I don't apologize for that. But these principles still apply to your, to your business, your organization, wherever you are currently leading. That if you will name it, brand it, wear it, teach it, weave it, and celebrate it, I'm telling you, you'll begin to see the culture shift in your business, in your organization. So there it is. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, peace on your melon. And remember, your leadership, it really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.